You're listening to Cancer Covered. Cancer can be isolating, as though no one who's ever lived could possibly understand what we're facing. And loneliness can make anyone feel powerless, even the powerful and privileged. One woman from a wealthy political family noticed a hard lump in her breast when she was in her 40s. The lump grew steadily, started to hurt, and then started to bleed. And then she couldn't ignore it anymore. And all her wealth and power couldn't keep her from feeling afraid. But this story didn't happen last week, or last year, or even last decade. This is the story of a cancer survivor who lived over 2,500 years ago. You're listening to Cancer Covered with Green Bay Oncology, where we explore pressing cancer issues and look for ways healthcare professionals, patients, and their families can cope better together. I'm Dr. Mitch Winkler. Like it or not, the past has a powerful influence on how we think today, even our thoughts and fears about cancer. To better understand where some of our preconceptions about cancer come from, I sat down with my partner and fellow history enthusiast, Dr. Matthew Ryan, to talk about cancer in the ancient world and why it might seem more familiar than you might expect. So Matthew, recently I've been rereading The Emperor of All Maladies by Dr. Siddhartha Mukherjee, which is a history of cancer going all the way back to the ancient world and even the fossil record to developments just a few years ago. It's a great read, won the Pulitzer Prize, highly recommended. And I think so much of understanding where we're at now in any context, politically or medically or professionally or personally, uh, is enriched by a deeper understanding of the past and where things came from. Yeah, I agree completely. There's a story in the book that I've been thinking about a lot, and it's about a woman named Atosa. And even though she lived a long time ago, about 500 B.C., there was so much of her story that sounded really familiar to what I see in the oncology clinic from day to day and probably sounds familiar to women who've dealt with similar problems. Can you help set the stage for us a little bit about what was going on in 500 BC and who this woman was? Sure, yeah. So Atosa was one of the wives of Darius. Darius was the head of the Persian Empire, which was the most powerful empire in the world at the time. It originated out of Iran. It conquered that area, uh, the what we know of as the Middle East now, and brought together dozens of different groups of people under the same empire and used each group to their um, advantage. If you were good at um, building boats and traveling over the sea, then that was your job within the empire. If you're good at a certain type of warfare, that was your job within the the army. We know them from the perspective of the Greeks, who they later tried to conquer and uh, kind of set the stage for, you know, the classical Greek era. Most of what we know about Atosa's life is from a history that a Greek person wrote, uh, as you say, Herodotus. Yes, who we regard as the father of history and was known for his storytelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In one of his works, Herodotus writes about something that happened to Atosa. As far as we can tell, it was probably would have been around 500 BC or so, or maybe a little bit before. And Atosa, who 
exact ages are hard to come by, but she was probably in, in her 40s. Um, she came down with an illness. She developed a mass in her breast. And at first thought it was infectious, but the thing continued to grow. And there's every indication from what Herodotus wrote that this was a cancer. And the Greeks actually knew about cancer, and we know that they knew about cancer because the Hippocratic authors wrote a lot about cancer. They actually described its behavior. They, they knew that it grabbed on was hard to separate from normal tissue because, you know, they did some early innovations in surgery. They also knew that it could burrow under and go hidden for a while and then appear somewhere else at a remote distance. And that was, um, they described its behavior as crab-like, like a crab burrowing under the sand on the beach and then appearing somewhere else. Yeah, ultimately giving our name for cancer. Right, right, because that's the Greek word for, for crab is, yep. is cancer. No one should carry the burden of cancer alone. And while every physician approaches cancer with their own unique skill set, we all agree on this one simple idea. Hi, I'm Dr. Gayu, a physician at Green Bay Oncology. The truth is, a cancer diagnosis can make you and your loved ones feel isolated and overwhelmed. And these moments are exactly when you need support the most. That's why all our doctors rely on the support of our team of qualified medical professionals. And here's two of them. Hi, I'm Madison Young. And I'm Tom Beckers. As social workers, we see how meaningful connection brings strength and healing to patients and loved ones facing cancer every single day. Our patients and physicians agree. Sharing your experience in a safe space with others is powerful and therapeutic. That's why we offer a free monthly virtual and in-person cancer support group facilitated for you wherever you are on your cancer journey. So whether by internet, phone, or in person, you'll have access to the support of a community on a similar path. To join us, visit gboncology.com and click on support. Do we know anything about what happened with her illness? Yeah, th through Herodotus, we know that once she found this, she withdrew, that she would stay at her room, that she would wrap herself in a shroud and not see anyone. She completely, you know, at the height of her power, withdrew completely from society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was a powerful, engaged woman, and I mean, it must have been a blow to her, and it, it affected her a lot like it would affect women today. I mean, it's a, it's a real setback. Yeah, unfortunately, we see this today, and it's a very natural reaction to knowing that you feel a lump and, and thinking the worst-case scenario and we see patients that withdraw and have that initial fear to bring it to medical attention because they know know what it means and what's ahead of them. And there's a lot of fear that can uh, create a barrier to, to seeking care. You know, there weren't a lot of treatment options at the time in the ancient world for cancer. There were some people uh, in some places that were innovating it. I mean, we know Imhotep, an Egyptian physician, which was even before this time, uh, did you know did some early experiments with, with surgery and you even wrote about cancer. We know that the Hippocratics had done some experiments with surgery uh, for cancer and usually recommended against it. Yeah, they quickly found that doing less was more when they were facing cancer mm -hmm. because they didn't have the tools to make it better. 
Do we know anything about what happened next to Tosa? I mean, did she just withdraw and, and, and die, or did she seek treatment, or do, is anything known? So Darius had a Greek slave who obviously had some medical background, and he offered to excise us to do the first recorded mastectomy in history. And his name was Demosides. Um, I mean, what does that tell us that a slave who'd presumably been captured well, slaves doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't educated or highly thought of. Mm-hmm. Having a Greek slave could be a highly educated, uh, what we would call physician, mm-hmm. that um, since he'd offered to do this, it obviously had the confidence and the experience that he must have done it before and, and been educated on how to do so. So mastectomy wasn't an unheard of thing in the ancient world. I mean, we can reasonably infer by just demosities happening to know uh, how to do a mastectomy. Correct. And again, I think it's really important for our listeners to keep in mind this is millennia before the development of anesthesia. Sterile technique, sterile. antibiotics. So it's a very crude surgery, painkillers of any kind. I mean, do we know anything about what happened afterwards? Did she survive? Yeah, we know she did survive and that she came out of her seclusion and became more active. After that, then unfortunately, as many women, she disappeared from the historical record. Dr. McCarrigy in his book suggests that there's reason to think, however, that what happened may have influenced the course of history, at least in the Mediterranean world. Yeah, he suggests that she pushed Darius more towards invading the Greeks, which later became the Greco-Persian Wars, which really created the modern world in the sense that the Greeks fending off the Persians successfully led to the growth of their culture, things like the Battle of Marathon, where they won, and then later the Battle of Thermopylae, which is very popular now in movies like The 300, and then the Greeks went on from there. We aren't as different from our ancient ancestors as we may like to believe. So much of what humans hope, fear, and experience is the same, no matter what century we were born in. And that's why history is such a great teacher. I asked Matthew what we could learn from Atosa's experience. What about this story resonates with you? The thing that it reminds me of is women with what we call a neglected breast cancer, and that's where the fear of knowing what's happening is so powerful that by neglect, they don't bring it to medical attention, that there might be a sense of embarrassment, that there'll be judgment, like, you knew this was wrong. You knew you needed to come in, but you didn't. You know, kind of shame on you. Why didn't you? It's kind of like if you don't call somebody for so long, it gets harder and harder and harder to call yes. them. So when I see someone like that, I acknowledge it. I mean, you can't just ignore it, but I don't dwell on it. And I give permission that that fear was understandable, and we're going to look forward. You're here now. And we're going to do what we need to do. That was part of what resonated with me about the story, too. First of all, as I said earlier, how, how familiar it was and how if you just change a few facts about the circumstances, how it's a story that could be happening today. Uh, and, you know, how familiar some of the dynamic was of, you know, the emotional impact of, of what it was. And also in thinking about a, a Tosa story about how many women 
and people throughout history have faced cancer and struggled with it and struggled with some of these same emotions that people today still struggle with. Yeah, we see it regularly. For myself, one of the comforts that I take from history, studying all sorts of things, is whatever I'm going through or whatever political turmoil or social upheaval that that we might be facing, finding something familiar in history, uh, you know, finding an echo of it in history and recognizing that so much of what I'm looking at that seems insurmountable, people have dealt with before and maybe many times before. And there's just something about that that really comforts me. Yeah, no, I agree. Because cancer is more common in older adults, as the average lifespan increased in the 20th century and older people became a bigger proportion of the population, cancer became more common and more commonly talked about. This led to the idea that cancer is a uniquely modern problem. But it isn't. Matthew, do you think there's a misunderstanding of how long cancer's been with us? Yeah, many people think that cancer is a more modern disease brought about by modern pollution, modern chemicals, smoking. We know that that's a big part of it. But um, the story and many like it show that cancer is as ancient as we are. Yeah, and Dr. McKerji in his book, in fact, the first chapter of his book, he talks about the earliest fossil records that we have of, there's one that's about 20,000 years old. It's a, it's a jawbone from the same part of Africa where Professor Leakey did a lot of his work on the early hominids. And it's, it's a jawbone with a very obvious tumor in it, probably a lymphoma. Uh, there's a similar record from a similar time all the way over in uh, South America and in uh, Chile in a particularly arid environment that's uh, perfect for natural mummification. And there's there's uh, one of the air burial practices of the indigenous people that lived there at that time. There's a very well-preserved specimen of a woman with an abdominal tumor. Yeah, it's been around as, as long as humans have been. Matthew, what lessons should we and especially our patients take from the history of cancer? Yeah, that fear of coming in and facing this, we want you to know that we do this every day. We see this every day. We're here to help you. We will do everything we need, treat this and treat you that we can and come get help that we can give you. Mm -hmm. And that they're not the only person who's ever had to deal with this, that people throughout all time have have had similar problems. Yeah, and we can do a lot more about it now. Mm-hmm. Matthew, always great talking with you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us on Cancer Covered. Please let us know what you think by leaving a review. To learn more, read our blog, request an appointment, search available clinical trials, or even apply to become a member of the team, go to gboncology.com. Thank you.